Welcome to this week's Planet Shakers podcast. Planet Shakers' brand new album, Show Me Your Glory, is out now. Available on all streaming platforms, so check it out. Let's dive into today's podcast. Let me read you from Mark chapter 14, everybody, while you're standing up, starting in verse 3 in the Bible. It says this, while He, that's Jesus, while Jesus was in Bethany, and you know that if Jesus is in the middle of the story, something good is about to happen. If Jesus is in the middle of your life, something good's about to happen. If Jesus is in the middle of your marriage, if He's in the middle of your business, if He's in the middle of your bank account, come on, if He's in the middle of your bank account, something good's gonna happen. You put Him first, something good's gonna happen. So Jesus is in Bethany, reclining at the table, In the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on His head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. If you've got a Bible, a paper version, because you're a real Christian, underline that. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the Gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that faith comes by hearing your word. So I pray in the midst of these moments that we have, may we not only sense your presence, your power, and your goodness, but I pray for every person that you would stir faith because we know faith is the currency of heaven. The only way we transact with you is through faith, not through bargaining. So as faith increases, I pray for an increase and a release of miracles across this house and in every person's life. And if you believe it, say, come on, if you believe it, shout in Jesus' Name. Turn around, give about five people a high five. I love this story in the Bible. Jesus says at the end here, He says, whenever this Gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. About five years ago, I was riding a motorbike through the Gobi Desert in Mongolia. I was on an eight road, off road trek of Mongolia. And on day number four, we had a severe accident and three of our riders ended up having to be airlifted and, and vacked off to, to go to hospitals. And that night we camped on a hill in Mongolia, a whole heap of wild camels came up around our tents. Half of the remaining riders were not Christian. The mechanics weren't Christians. The medic that came with us wasn't a Christian. The cook wasn't a Christian. But this was a, a moment where we were brought face to face with our mortality. And I just said to everyone, I hope you don't mind guys, I'm a pastor and tonight I'm gonna take communion with two of my pastor friends here. So if you wanna take communion with us and explain what it was, I, uh, they, uh, we're gonna do it tonight. So that night we had uh, communion and instead of bread, we ate goat's meat and we had some watered down orange juice and we took communion. And I told this story about the woman anointing Jesus, preparing her for burial. Jesus says, thousands of years later, her story will be told. It was a memory-making moment in the Bible. 
I love memory making moments. I'll never forget back in 2012, I was at a football game. You call it soccer, but there's no such thing as soccer. It's called football. The clue's in the title, everybody. It's a foot and a ball, no hands, okay? And I'm at a game, it's Manchester City playing against Crystal Palace. Sitting next to me is John Bevere, the author and speaker. And in that game, we scored in injury time and won 3-2. And for the first time in my lifetime, God's team, Manchester City Football Club, won the Premier League. And I remember shouting and, and I'm crying and John Bevere says, how come the first time I see you cry is at a football game and not in church? I said, no, this is way more important than church. And I'm crying and I'm crying and I'm crying. It was a memory making moment. A few months ago, I went to Istanbul with my son to watch Manchester City play Inter Milan in the Champions League final. And I gotta tell you, we won 1-0, won the Champions League for the first time in my lifetime. It was a memory making moment. And for years to come, I'm gonna talk about the Mongolia trip. I'm gonna talk about the game where we win the Premier League. I'm gonna talk about the Champions League. For the rest of my life, I'll walk about the, talk about the moment my wife put on a white dress and walked down the aisle. Memory making moments change the world. And one of the things I've discovered is when Jesus is in the middle of your life, He helps to create memories that last a lifetime so that when you're able to look back at your life, you're able to say not how good you are, but how great God is. The Lord has done this and it's marvellous in our eyes. Here we have a moment, Jesus is in the centre of this story. The Bible says that it starts off in a place called Bethany. If you would go to Jerusalem today and you were to stand on or around the Temple Mount, across the Kidron Valley is the Garden of Gethsemane and the Mount of Olives. It's still there. And just over the right-hand side of the hill, about two kilometres, 2.3 kilometres or so from where you're standing is the town of Bethany. Jesus loved Bethany. Jesus loved Bethany. For Jesus, Bethany was like His Noosa. It was like His barley. It's the place He would go for a little bit of R&R. The reason, not just because it was a nice location, but because His favourite people were there. Mary, Martha, Lazarus. And so Jesus often on His travels, you will read, He'll find His way back at His Noosa, back at His barley, having rest and um, uh, restoration. Uh, What is it? Rest and recreation. And so Jesus, the Bible says, He's in the home of Simon the leper in Bethany. One of the things that it's important to do when you read the Bible is not just understand what it's saying in black and white, but understanding what it is inferring. Because there are many things that actually happen in the Bible that are clear that we miss it because we're asking the wrong questions. The Bible says that Jesus is in the home of Simon the leper, in the home of Bethany. He's in the home of Simon the the leper. He's in the home of Simon the leper. It's interesting because 2,000 years ago, people didn't have surnames as we have surnames today. You know, uh, you were known for where you were from. So Jesus was not known as Jesus Christ. Christ isn't His surname. He was known as Jesus of Nazareth because there were lots of other little Jesuses running around as well. He was Jesus of Nazareth. He wasn't Jesus of Jerusalem. He wasn't Jesus of Bethany, He was Jesus of Nazareth. 
The Bible talks about the Apostle Paul. Previously, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. Or you would be known maybe for a certain affliction, something about your body. So blind Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus who was blind. Or you'd be known through your family connections. James and John were the sons of thunder. I, for example, are known in England as Pastor Glenn. You know, that guy with a really hot wife. We're all known for something, right? We're all known for some association. And the Bible says that he's in the home of Simon the leper. He's in the home reclining at the table of Simon the leper. What do we know about leprosy? Well, 2000 years ago, if you had leprosy, you would not be living in a community. You would not be living in Jerusalem, Bethlehem or Bethany. You would be ostracised. You'd be thrown out of the family. You'd be thrown out of the community and you would have to live in a leper colony. And yet the Bible's very clear that Jesus is in Bethany with His disciples with all the crowd hanging around the scene and He's in the home of Simon the leper. The author of the Gospel of Mark is hoping that we're on the same page in reading this and that we can assume together that even though Simon had leprosy, he could now no longer have leprosy. Now the Bible doesn't say it in black and white, The Bible doesn't say that he had leprosy and now he doesn't, but everything about the context says it is now impossible for Simon to have leprosy. Why? Number one, he's in Bethany. If you were a leper, you are not allowed in Bethany. Not only that, but Jesus, the disciples, the women and the religious people were all in the home of Simon the leper. The Gospel writer is hoping that you and I arrive at the same point, which is simply this, that even though Simon had leprosy, he could no no longer have leprosy. And we assume therefore that Simon the leper is sitting next to the person who healed him in the first place. It's not in black and white, but the whole context supports everything I'm saying. I wanna suggest Simon didn't have leprosy anymore. The lesson is really clear, Planet Shakers, and it's simply this. God is a behind the scenes, miracle working God. I want you to know that in your life, when you don't see it, when you don't know it, when you don't know what's going on, God is over here behind the scenes. He's setting up the ingredients for a miracle. When you don't know it, when you're not even praying, when you've not even got faith, because His nature is He's a miracle working God. And because God's always up to miracles, He's over here working the miracle. You ever found a moment where you've walked into a meeting, had found such favour, you walked out and thought, how did that happen? How did that happen? I'll tell you why. It's because while you were over here, God was over there getting ready for the meeting. You ever got a job you weren't qualified for? Ever walked into a job interview and thought, man, I don't know if I'm gonna get this, but found so much favour? It's because while you were over here, God was working behind the scenes. The Holy Spirit was whispering in the ear of the interviewers. The interviewers saying, I don't know why we're gonna give this job to Andy. We shouldn't give the job to Andy, but we should give the job to Andy. And Andy walks out and says, how did I get that? It's because your God is a behind the scenes, miracle working God. Our Father, Jesus said, who art in heaven, 
but the Bible helps us understand He's not just over there in heaven, but He's over there. Over where? Anywhere. Right now I'm in Melbourne. My kids are in Manchester. Guess where God is? He's over there. He's in Manchester. He's in Noosa with my mum. He's with my friends in Malaysia. He's with Pastor Russell and Sam in Malaysia right now because God is everywhere all at the same time. Recently, I was at the coronation of the King. And a few months before that, had an audience with the King at Buckingham Palace. And I gotta tell you something, right? In the waiting room at Buckingham Palace, I thought to myself several things. One thing I thought to myself is, I'm gonna go to the restroom. I'm gonna have a wee. I didn't need a wee, but I went to have a wee just so I can tell you at Planet Shakers, I've been for a wee at Buckingham Palace. (laughs) The other thing that happened is this, is that when the King walked in the room, 10 feet away from me, the atmosphere changed. Everything changed because the newly elected King walked in. Well, the newly um, King walked in the room. I wanna tell you friends, when the King walks in your life, things change. And I'm not talking about a new King. I'm talking about the King who's had no beginning, he'll have no middle, he'll have no end, who always was and is and, 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 and is to come. He is the King of Kings and He's the Lord of Lords. And all the time, He's up to something. He's preparing the soil for a breakthrough and a miracle. He's a behind the scenes working God, miracle working God. And yet the Bible still says He's Simon the leper didn't have leprosy. But if you notice in your life, there are some people who always try to remind you of the person you were. Remember when you failed? Remember when you messed up that relationship? Remember when that job went wrong? Have you noticed in your life there are people who will not allow you with grace to step into a new season of favour, a new season of increase, a new season of expectation? Have you got those people on social media as well who are like this? Have you got people who you see in the supermarket where you see them walking towards you, you walk away the other way because you know exactly what it's gonna be? Conversation about when you were Simon the leper, but God's done a miracle. And the Bible says here in the Gospel of Mark chapter 14, it says that a woman came in and broke open a jar and poured expensive nard, oil, perfume over Jesus' head. Worth a year's salary, a year's salary, this nard. Now the thing about this nard that was poured over Jesus' head is that the only place this was grown was at the foot of the Himalayas. Think about the journey from the Himalayas to Jerusalem, thousands of kilometres. Think about the journey it had to go on. The the pickers had to go to that particular route to get that particular route of nard and place it in a specific box to be placed on the cart earmarked for Jerusalem. Then with an armed guard escort, that cart would have to make its way through to Jerusalem, this precious nard, this this expensive gold-like quality. It would get to Jerusalem and be delivered to a specific perfumers where they would crush the nard to make the oil, to put it into a vial for it to go to the right part of the market where a crazy woman would take a year's salary to spend it on perfume. She clearly was either rich or single. 
Which was the most dangerous journey, part of the journey for the Nard? Was the most dangerous part of the journey from the foot of the Himalayas through bandit-ridden territory all the way through to Jerusalem or was the most perilous part of the journey the journey from the woman saying, this is mine, to breaking it and pouring it out on Jesus' head? And yet she had a revelation. And the revelation was this, the nard was not destined to stay in a bottle. This expensive perfume was picked so it can be poured out. In fact, it was prophetic because in this place of of rest and recreation where Jesus is with His favourite people, having just done a miracle and changed Simon the leper's name, now he's got no surname. He's now just known as Simon. In the midst of this beautiful moment, She anoints Him with oil, Jesus says. She is preparing me for my burial because she knew too that not only is the nard picked to be poured, but Jesus was chosen to be poured out for all the sins of mankind. Did you know, friends, in this place today, you too were picked to be poured? The Bible says she broke the jar. The only way the contents of the jar could be discovered was for the jar to be broken. Is it possible? that our God allows us to go through seasons of difficulty where we feel broken because it's only in the midst of brokenness that what's inside comes out. That's why the Bible talks about not just spiritual gifts, but the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good, uh, long-suffering, uh, self-control. Do you know the only way that you can taste the goodness of fruit is for it to be crushed? Hey, is it possible in 2023 that God allows us to go through a season of crushing so that the goodness of God can be sensed and felt by our family and by our friends and by our work colleagues? Is it possible that He allows the crushing because we too were picked to be poured? He allows it so our work colleagues can say, I don't know, how is it you're going through such a hellish experience and yet you're still smiling? Why is that? Hey, I'm like you too. I don't wanna forgive. I wanna hold a fence. There are some offerings I don't wanna give in either. There are some moments that I wanna do eye for eye. There are some moments when I've been struck on a cheek and and I want them to meet with thunder and lightning as well. But I gotta remember that back when I was 12 years of age in Toowoomba, Queensland on my knees before God in a prayer meeting and I got saved and I got baptised in the Holy Spirit and I spoke in tongues. There was a moment there as I reflect that in that moment, I too was picked to be poured. Hey, Planet Shakers family and friends, you've been picked by God to pour you out to this generation. In a generation that's so toxic, in a world that's so angry, everybody, it seems, is angry. Just have a look at social media sometime. People sit on opposite sides of, of every spectrum and, 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 and never, never do we meet in agreement. Is it possible? The natural fact, He allows the crushing so that we can show something of the Kingdom of God to this world so that there's something about our lifestyle where people look and say, I don't know what you got but I need some of that. 
The Bible says that she broke the jar here. She broke the jar. And I love this verse. Check this out in verse four. It says, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? Could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. They rebuked her harshly. Let me give you an image of this phrase harshly. Are you ready? Here it is. It was her perfume. They rebuked her harshly, but it was her perfume. What's it gonna do with you? What I do with my year's salary and what I've bought. But have you noticed Planet Shakers, how everybody's got an opinion? Everybody's got an opinion about everything. Just sometime this afternoon, just do a test. Just write something like, you know, I don't understand vegetarianism. Just leave it like that. And you watch, everybody's got an opinion. This afternoon, just go home and say, hey, I I put my tithe in the offering today. Watch what everybody will say on social media because everybody's got an opinion. You could have given the money to the poor. She could have, but here's what I've noticed. The very people who are telling me what to do with my money and giving my money to the poor are the very people who give nada, nothing to the poor whatsoever. And so what they're trying to do is alleviate their guilt because they're selfish by telling me what I should do. But listen, I gotta tell you something. When you understand and get a revelation, you and everything you have has been picked to be poured. You don't mind volunteering again at Planet Shakers Conference. You don't mind serving on teams in church. You don't mind joining the worship team. You don't mind going into kids' church. You don't mind helping people park their cars and be on the welcome team. Why? Because we were picked to be poured. Everybody, and you know the problem is this, is we allow people who are not in the grace zone of our lives, not anointed to do with what what we're doing, they've not been picked to be poured. And we allow them in our ear to tell us what we should be doing. And if we're not careful, if we're not strong, if we're not faith-filled, we'll go, Okay, 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 okay. And before long, we end up with a mediocre, average uh, uh, midlife crisis of faith. Why? Because we allowed people to rebuke us harshly. Shut up, speak to the hand. It's my life. It's none of your business. They rebuked her harshly. And what I really love about this, I really love in this passage is that that after this begins to happen, Jesus then says this, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? And I've learnt this lesson in the last, what, two years, Sophia? That sometimes you just gotta stop the fight, take a step back and hashtag, let Jesus defend you. I've noticed this, that when when people want an argument, the most infuriating thing to do (laughs) is say nothing. We have a saying in our church, it goes like this. If you can't think of something good to say, think of something good to say. And if you can't think of something good to say, shut up! Because everybody's falling out. But maybe we just gotta find something good to say. Hashtag Jesus, you defend me. 
Hashtag Jesus, you defend me. And there's this beautiful moment here and it lands here. It says, just in this beautiful moment, Jesus says this. Jesus says, she did what she could. Friends, if you're looking for a miracle today, the answer's here. She did what she could. When our children were little, we would tell them all the time, kids, it really doesn't matter what your teachers think. It really doesn't matter the expectations of people in and around your world. Just do your best. In fact, I have a wonderful mother-in-law. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, she's living with us at the moment for six months in Manchester. It's wonderful to be in Australia. (laughs) But I love my mother-in-law. I love her because she loves me. In fact, sometimes I think she loves me more than a daughter. In 28 years of married life, you've got to understand my wife is Latin. She's from Chile, which means I'm always wrong. But on the two or three occasions when my Latina esposa, who is very crazy, and we've fallen out once or twice, and she phones her mum. Mum's wonderful because my mother-in-law says, you're wrong, Glenn's right. End of story. So I love her, she's amazing. (laughs) When we, early on in marriage, She kind of taught me three lessons, three lessons for life. Number one, turn up. That's half the battle done. Number two, do your best. And number three, walk away. And I think Jesus is really touching on this because there was a lot of things she couldn't do, but she did what she could do. And I think the lesson that Jesus is wanting you and I to remember all these years later, and it's just simply this, if you do what you can do, then God will do what only He can do. You see, in a church like Planet Shakers, not you maybe because you're perfect, but in a church like Audacious Church, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the anointing. We believe in fire. We, we pray for a revival. We pray for healings and miracles. And, and, and it looks similar to, to, to the way you do church, of course, but, it, but, it's, but it's English and there's nuances that, that vary. But, but in our church, there are more Christians who believe more in magic than in miracles. Let me tell you what magic is. Magic is me as a child, secondary school, having physics homework that I simply do not understand. Magic is me praying and saying, God, if You could send an angel, a fairy, an elf, I don't really care, but anyone during the night to do my homework, that'd be wonderful. And to wake up the next day and to find that my physics homework is not done. How many of you know, that wasn't a prayer for miracle, that was a prayer for magic. Because the miracles in the Bible always included the full participation of the people needing a miracle. The man with a withered hand, stretch out your 
hand, the man who was lame, rise up and, 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 and walk. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the book of two Kings, I think it is, there's four lepers who are outside a city wall and there's an enemy that's about to attack and the people in the city wall have, have, have shut up shop and there's famine and, and there's this siege going on and the four lepers are stuck in between a rock and a hard place. And one of the guys rises up. Maybe he was listening to my mother-in-law and he says this, hey fellas, if we stay here, we're gonna die. If we go into the city, we'll die. If we go over to the enemy camp, we'll probably die. But we gotta do something. You see, friends, if you do nothing about the miracle you need, then you gotta understand there's no seed in nothing. There's no life in nothing. There's no blessing in nothing. Nothing reaps what it sows. If you do nothing, you get nothing. But when you understand that if you do what you can do, then God will respond by doing what only He can do. And many of the miracles that we see, friends, at times are so small and so insignificant. And yet every day is a miracle because He's a behind the scenes miracle working God. But right now in this moment, I'm bringing you face to face with the miracles that you need. What miracle do you need in your finances? What miracle do you need in, in, in your mental health, in your, in your soul, in your emotions? Friends, what, what miracle do you need in your marriage and with your family? Because I'm here to tell you, if you do nothing, then you'll get nothing. But James says, I will show you my faith by what I do. Do something. She did what she could. The music's playing, I've got to get off stage. Let me read your story. I got this letter a little while back. It's handwritten, there it is. It says this, Dear pastors of Audacious Church, I was visiting Manchester the other day and I drove past your church. I really felt I wanted to write to you to let you know that meeting someone from your church changed my life forever. The person I met was called Amy. I don't know if you know her or not, but she's a midwife. I met her when I was 22 weeks pregnant. I went into hospital with stomach pains. 12 weeks before, I'd gone for an abortion. Eight weeks later, I still hadn't had a period. I did a pregnancy test and it was positive. I just thought that, wow, I'm pregnant again. I did not wanna have this second baby, so I went for another abortion. But when they scanned me, I was still pregnant from the first time. They said I could still have the procedure done, but it didn't quite feel right. I started to think that maybe God somewhere wanted this baby to be born. That day in hospital in the waiting room, when I met Nurse Amy that day, I was scared and I didn't know what I was gonna do. I didn't want anyone to know what had happened nearly twice, but when Amy came into the room, she was so gentle and kind. In fact, I could tell straight away there was something different about her. I knew she must be a Christian. You see, Pastor, I grew up in church. My mum still goes. I met my ex-boyfriend. I moved to Manchester with him. And for two years with him, my life was all about drink and drugs. I turned my back on God and my family and my church. I said to Amy, Amy, are you a Christian? And she said, yes. 
we got talking, I felt safe enough to tell her about the abortion. I felt ashamed, but I didn't feel judged by her at all. She helped me to realise that God was not mad with me for all my past choices. And I knew that as I was talking to her that day in the hospital that I needed to say sorry to God. She sat with me and held my hand as I asked Jesus into my life. She also held my hand as I called my mum for the first time in 18 months. That day, my mum drove up from Birmingham to get me, to take me home. Since that day, my life has completely changed. I think my life would be very different now if God hadn't sent Amy into the room that day last year. Oh, by the way, I now have a beautiful baby girl. I called her Amy. Her name means beloved gift of God because that's what she is to me. I'm now back in church with my mum. I'm drug free. My relationship with Jesus is getting stronger every day. Pastors, I hope you don't think it's weird that I wanted to write. I just wanted to let you know what an amazing woman you have in your church and that meeting her changed my life. God bless Michelle and baby Amy. And as I read that letter again to you today and I reflect on that moment, pretty sure that when Amy walked into that room that day, she didn't know what she could do or if she could do anything. But she did what she could. And if you do what you can do, then God will only do what He can do. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that your faith was filled and you were encouraged. If you have any prayer requests or want to connect with us further, search for us on our social media at Planet Shakers. We'd love to hear from you.